Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. Our second run out of 2022, building up fitness for the season and we are back to a full complement of three. That means we're joined by none other than the reigning champ who, rumour has it, still hasn't taken that KFC tracksuit off. It's Tim. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Very well. And uh, no, I'm not wearing the tracksuit. Look, I will be wearing the tracksuit a lot in public, but um, I've got to keep it fresh. I can't be wearing it at home and stinking it up, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine it's kind of that durable. Um, so, yeah, mate, you got to make sure it's it's bright and shiny uh, for when you do go out in public and maximise use of it. But uh, good to have you on for the first time this year, mate. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And, of course, like the baby on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind album, a bloke a few years removed from that thing that made him famous, it's 2016 champ Wilf. <laughs> Oh, that's cold. I love that. Great intro. You got me good there. <laughs> now you heard about that news that the babies uh, refiled the lawsuit against Nirvana. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I thought that was very interesting. And I guess when you do fall out of relevance, that you, you sometimes can get a little bit desperate and, and find ways to become relevant again, right? Yep. And that is a new Patreon tier, uh, nude photos of Wilf uh, on an album cover. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> All right. I've got to sign up to my OnlyFans for that one. Yes, yes, indeed. All right, guys. Part two of our, of our over-unders podcast. Uh, you may have heard us go through the forward positions uh, last time out. We're doing halfback, 5-8, centre wing and fullback, uh, talking about uh, obvious uh, overpriced, underpriced players as well as those that are statistically um, you know, priced very differently to what their uh, what their averages uh, was last year and previous years. So we'll f- start with overs and and halfback, mate. We've got a few names on this list here. Uh, who's jumping out at you most? Look, it's going to be a controversial episode because obviously some of the most expensive players from twenty twenty one coming into the twenty twenty two season were the absolute studs. Nathan Cleary right at the top of the list there, and I'm starting off hot. I am saying Nathan Cleary is overpriced. He's at 949600 or basically priced an average of 108.3, which was actually true. That was his actual season average. But, I mean, you know, we all know about that shoulder injury, massive shoulder reconstruction. It's a, it's major surgery, basically. So word is he's going pretty well recovery-wise, and that's great, and he's probably going to be there round one, which I think earlier in the off-season I was – wondering if he's going to be there round one, but it sounds like he will make it. I guess breaking it down, I mean, he averaged 114.7 in his 12 games pre the injury and uh, obviously had a number of weeks off rehabbing it and getting his shoulder strength back, came back only average. I'll put only in air quotes, 89.3 in his four games in the regular season post-injury. Now I've done a little bit of digging and looked into the finals and he played, obviously, four, four further games in 2021, only averaged 56.25 in those four games. But the, the qualifier I've thrown there is the fact that they were finals games. All were really low scoring, like one or two tries from the Panthers max. And, you know, you'd expect in the regular season, that's going to be, you know, that's not going to happen, basically. So Unlikely, mate. Yeah. So, Tim, you're a Panthers man. What's your read on Cleary's fitness? Look, I, I don't know exactly how his fitness is going to play out. I, I do reckon he'll be the daily M 
for 2022. I think it'll be his year. He'll, um, you know, it's a bit of redemption uh, from last year. Um, it was very close for him, obviously, going, you know, could have could have been his year too. But um, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's definitely overpriced, I think. I think it's very hard to start with Nathan Cleary. It's 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 very yucky price, isn't it? At nine hundred and fifty k, I mean, he's he's priced at around about what Teddy was at the start of last year, and and so many people were avoiding Teddy. Yeah, I think it's just the position though too. I th- I think you can still you can look elsewhere in, in halves and get other decent halves that'll go close enough, and the the price difference will you know work itself out. I don't think. Nathan Cleary scoring that much more than the second best, you know, maybe even like Keary or a, even a DCE. Yeah, it will be interesting. I imagine the the you know those kind of uh, elite halfback you know position players will be a little bit closer than they have been traditionally in years past. Um, part of that might be to do with our next bloke, Will from Nico Hines. He's he's position is halfback he's at the sharks you've got him down as as overs yeah and again like i I know he's a fairly decisive uh player Uh, a lot of people really harm him a lot of people really low on him look i I can see it you know right now he's priced at 685,900 basically a 78.2 average you know the the two arguments in in a nutshell you know one he played 14 games roughly 70 80 minutes basically at fullback for the storm Average 102.7 points per game in those 14 games. And then, you know, he's got another six games where he's off the bench or he only played 40 or 50 minutes and comes off after that uh, so that Pappenhausen can come back and play fullback off the bench. And in those six games, he only averaged 28. So, you know, there's there's that question mark there. And then end of season, he plays two games in the halves, playing 80 minutes, and he averaged 57.5. You know, now he's at the Sharks' new role, He's meant to be the guy. It's going to be his team. But, you know, there's arguments. Uh, you know, there, there's obviously the interviews from Craig Fitzgibbon saying he's not going to try to change Hines from playing his natural game. Uh, and, and you know, you're assuming he's going to be the full-time goal kicker there as well. So there's certainly arguments for and against. I'm just going to say he's overs just purely based on the fact that he went so bloody well at fullback for the Storm and the Sharks just won't have as many points in them. As, as he would, and, you know, he might get additional kicking duties and, and some forced dropouts and stuff like that there, whereas as the fullback, he was very much, you know, his second or even third receiver sometimes, getting the ball a lot wider. He's not getting much opportunity to kick and, and things like that. So I, I just think from that for that price tag, it's just a lot of money to pay for a lot of unknowns, and I'm definitely leaning to him. I like, you know, in my head, if he doesn't average 78.2, he's over basically from round one. Yeah, I mean, Cronulla as a team is is pretty divisive. If if you think that Fitzgibbon's the second coming and Nico Hines and Finucane and, and those guys are going to fire from the off, being a full-time goal kicker and, and all those other things in his favour might lean you towards maybe picking him as a bit of a smoky. Tim, do you think the Sharks will do well? I think the Sharks will do well, but I think it will be tough work. You know what I mean? I think they're going to be trying to work it. Like it's a whole new system kind of thing. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a funny one. I think they'll like, um, you know, they might lose some of the games you'd expect them to win and win some of the games you'd expect them to lose sort of thing. 
Um, but they'll, you know, it'll take a bit from the work. I think they'll finish top eight. It's it's a tough one, but I don't think Nico is um, at that price a, a, one of the better halfback options. I think he is overpriced. Yeah, even even steering the club around. I mean, it seemed like the Melbourne Storm was scoring forty a game just for fun every week, and and he was in it amongst the attacking stats. So I think that's what's informed this inflated price. For me, it's pretty hard to think that the Sharks are going to put anything like that kind of attacking uh, prowess out on the field. So Hines is a no for me. Another bloke that's a no for me, and and Tim, I'll throw to you, Jamal Fogarty. He changes as good as a holiday mate. He's in Canberra, but. He won't kick goals ahead of Jared Croker, will he? And that's that seems to be the bulk of where his points have come from. Look, even if he does, I'm I'm off him. You know what I mean? Especially at that at that club too. I don't I don't rate like that's a that's a that's a premium price. You know what I mean? Five hundred k still a, an expensive price for a halfback, and there's a lot better options than him at a at Canberra team. So yeah, I, I feel like he's not an option. Yeah, and and probably the only time we'll mention Chad Townsend's name in a super coach context, Wilf, um, you've got him for overs. Yeah, I mean, same same situation as Fogarty. Basically, he's his average does include about almost eight points per game in goal kicking, and that seems unlikely to happen up in Townsville. Um, so yeah, uh, like I said, you know, a lot of it's kind of arbitrary. Just looking at situation changes that are automatically going to mean. Uh, these guys are overpriced based on what they did in 2021 compared to what they're going to potentially churn out in 2022. So, yeah, not that many people looking at Fogarty or Townsend, but like I said, just arbitrary look at the fact that they're not going to be goal-kicking in 2022, so they're automatically way overs based on what they're saying. And the last point I'll talk about there is, I mean, did you really say that Fogarty going from the Gold Coast to Canberra is it a holiday for him? Well, it's a change is as good as a holiday is to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, let's just let's let's move on on that one. <laughs> all right, so we'll move on to five eighth. Um, a bloke who we all or think is overs, not based on you know the price because his price set is eighty three point eight average, seven hundred and thirty four k Cody Walker, but overs just because of you know losing a lot of the infrastructure around him at the Bunnies. Uh, Tim, got a feeling on Cody? Yeah, I think that is overs that price to start the season. Yeah, I'd want to... I still think they'll they'll go well, and I still think that Cody will have an okay-ish, but I don't think that price will match his points to start off with. I think we're looking for probably... I reckon we're looking for players around the 500k range, potentially, but I don't... Yeah, I don't... I don't I'm not too sure. I think 5'8 and... Um, Halfback might be some of the toughest decisions to start the season, to be fair. I think a lot of the um, centres and a lot of all the other positions and the you know props will be a lot easier. I think this is the one, and fullbacks as well. I think it's just where you go on one or the other. But I think with 5'8 and halfbacks, I think, I think there's so many different options at different prices. And But, yeah, I couldn't see me starting with Cody. I did last year, but I don't think he was that pricey. No, no, he wasn't uh, that high. Wilf, we've spoken about this before, you know, the difference of Cody Walker with Reynolds kind of taking the the field marshal, you know, responsibilities and, and allowing him to play pretty free form. He's now the guy in the halves for the Bunnies and, and you think it probably will backfire or, or is that going to impact his super coach too badly? 
I just, I mean, it's just a massive question mark, isn't it? Like to pay that much money for a guy whose role will change based on the fact that the player who used to be basically setting him up with all that space to do the magic, things that he would just roll out there and score all those super coach points. And, you know, it, it, it looked fantastic, but none of it really would have been possible without someone like Adam Reynolds there setting it all up, taking it to the line, you know, engaging the line and then, uh, picking the perfect time to pass it to Cody in space. So they've talked about Lachlan Il- Elias. Elias, I'm still not sure how to pronounce his name, but I'm sure we'll find out I soon. I think it's but... Elias, but I like Elias because of Benny Elias. Do you know what I mean? So I like, <laughs> but Il- yeah, I think it's Elias. That's what I've heard originally. So I'm uh, I'll have to go with Elias out of respect of Benny Elias. Yeah. I wouldn't want to sully that. Not, name not there, John but... Elias, Benny Elias. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Lachlan Ilias. So you know they say he's a bit of an Adam, Adam Reynolds clone. So if he does play very similarly, then that's great for Cody. You know if they can stick to the same attacking structures and, and you know the same plays, then he could just keep continue on. I just don't know if you're going to put a like he's played what three games, four games, something like that for Lachlan to suddenly take over that important game manager role that Adam Reynolds had. It's, it's a huge ask to, to expect that from round one. So, like, I, I still think Cody could end up being the number one 5'8 come end of season. I'm just saying it's not probably not going to be from round one. And if he starts off a little bit slower, let's say he only averages 65 as opposed to 84, then that's a huge price drop. And there's an argument you can pick him up around round five, round six, when maybe the Rabbitohs have settled into their new attacking structure. Luttrell's back by then as well. And then, you know, they... They can really take off. And I know it's really hard to read into this too much, but I looked into the fact that um, in the one game where Adam Reynolds and Latrell Mitchell weren't in the team, Cody Walker scored 16 points against the Melbourne Storm. So, you know, it is only Melbourne Storm, and they that could have happened even if he had all three of those, uh, all of the other two players there as well. But, you know, when when Cody is the, the guy by himself and there's no Latrell, there's no Adam Reynolds, you know, taking attention off uh, him as in terms of the de- defense, then maybe there's a chance that he can't do everything that he normally does. So I'm just going to stay well away for, for Cody from, from round one. The thing you said with Cody, you'd mentioned sort of like he, you know, he might end up finishing the highest as 5'8 in point scoring, but he might not start off. Even if he does start off the highest scoring 5'8, I just don't think at the price you'd need to have him, I don't think his points would be that much higher than other players, and I do think it'd be. A, I don't think it's that certain. So, like, I'd be more than happy to not have him, even if it, what he was scoring, you know, five to ten points more than the other five eights. I think he could make up those points in other positions for lesser price, sort of thing. Yeah, it's all about bang for buck in the round one teams, isn't it? And the next uh, five eights we've got on the list, someone near and dear to both. Mine and Tim's heart, Matt Burton, uh, 576K at a 65.7 average. Now, in his seven games playing in the halves, he, he averaged 70, uh, so he's five points under technically. A lot of attacking stats there and even a few goal kicks um, for Penrith and played against a few depleted teams in and around the buyers as well. We've got him in the overs column because basically he's gone to the Bulldogs, haven't we, Wolf? I mean, in a nutshell, yeah. Look, I do think the Bulldogs are going to be better this year. They've made some astute signings, and Burton's certainly one of them. But for that to click all in round one, I just don't see it happening. And, you know, they've got such a brutal draw. Like, the first five games are rough, you know. 
in that first five games. They've got the Panthers, the Storm, and the Rabbitohs. So, yeah, it's really hard to see the Bulldogs, Burton, being able to score at a similar rate to what he was able to do at the Panthers, basically. Yeah, and I think the the issue with the Bulldogs is always going to be, you know, those attacking points. You know, Tim, you had your eye pretty closely on him last year when he played those games in the halves. Do you, do you think he it'll translate to the Bulldogs? Look, I think it, it, it might not be someone that I'd start with, but I reckon even at that price, I think it, he's probably a little overpriced at 500 or maybe 480. I'd probably definitely jump on, but um, maybe just a little bit overpriced. I do think even though they've got a tough draw, it could be a bit of a blessing for the dogs to start with for their season. Do you know what I mean? Like I think they might. Well, they're not really expected to win any. Yeah, yeah, and then they it might work out a little bit for them just a little bit after that. But maybe those games won't be as hard as what they would have been for them later in the season because the other teams are still sort of working out the early season nooks and crannies sort of their, of their play and stuff. But I, I think Matt Burton's a great individualist, so I think that you can you could almost have him if you like him and you wanted to have him because I think that even when things aren't going well, I. Th- and, you know, they've got their back against the wall, the dogs, and maybe they're down by a bit. He'll, you know, put his hand up and want to do some of that individual stuff he does where he just sort of go, takes an, like, mad jinky run inside back in field and just scores a couple of tries, you know. Like, he, he's done it a lot, and I don't think it matters what jersey or what team he's in. He'll be able to put, pull out that individual sort of brilliance when he needs to or wants to. I do agree. I do agree with that. And like he, he definitely was very capable of making some of those amazing individual plays when it really counted. I know he certainly scored at least one, if not two match winning tries in you know, the last couple of minutes for the Panthers. So I get what you mean by that. But part of the issue is I think they need to be in a try scoring position mm. and I'm not sure. The if they're Bulldogs just defending a lot of the time and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like if they're not at the right end of the field, if they're trapped in their own end, they can't get out because let's just... They're dropping the ball and doing silly, yeah. Yeah, Panthers pack compared to the Bulldogs pack, I have to say, you know, the Panthers are well ahead, even with the Bulldogs' new signings. Mm. I just think that's going to be probably one of the big question marks. Can Burton be in the right area of the field for him to actually score Supercoach points? It's a bit of a risk, but I think, yeah, it comes down to how much you like the player, you know what I mean? I know you should try not to be too emotional or, you know, pick players that you just like, but I think if you're a real big fan of Matty Burton and the way he plays, I think you could still give him a go at that price. But I think that I probably would look elsewhere to start with, to be fair. And just I'd want to have a look at him first and see how it works out. Biggest issue for me with the Bulldogs is that I think they've got two running halves um, in the halves and they don't have that Adam Reynolds, Mitchell Pearce, bloke you know to kind of steer them around it'll it'll be two blokes who are best kind of with the ball in their hands with space so yeah that's a big issue I've got with the uh, or fear I've got with the Bulldogs leading on so finishing off our overs we're going to move to center wing guys the the biggest surprise bigger than Turbo bigger than Isaiah Papali all of those guys for me in 2021 was Ruben Garrick bloke just I don't know, just turned into the Hulk at times. 87.5 average for a guy that I think even in his rookie year, he was a bit of a plotter. Tim, I mean, he's just the the center wing price 
so much higher than the next best. Um, he's an avoid, isn't he? Yeah, you couldn't. You could not start with him under any circumstance. I don't think, no matter how you're building a side, and and even how well you thought Manly would go, and with you know Turbo was going to feed him, he was going to get the kicking and all that. I just that price is so intense. That's an end of season sort of try to finish with someone or pick them up. You did, yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't start with him, and I don't think that he's going to match last year. To be yeah. fair, you want to, you want to be looking for, you know, twenty twenty two's kind of Ruben Garrick breakout, not Ruben Garrick himself, right? Yeah, there's so many times I think you can't really replicate those same sort of thing. Like the same player doesn't repeat that unless they're an individual superstar. I just think that was part of their season. I mean, like, Manly are probably going to play pretty similar footy, to be fair, which is going to mean that he'll be on the back of some tries and he'll be kicking goals and stuff. So he'll be scoring well. But just you couldn't, at that price, there's no way you could do it because you'd have to be making massive sacrifices in other positions to have him. And I don't, yeah, it's just yuck. Yeah, something I've always stuck to, you know, through all the years I've been playing super coaches when building around one side is I ask myself what has to go right for this guy to score this many points and to justify his value again. And I think, well, Garrick would have to exceed all the wildest of expectations just to replicate what his value is in round one. I mean, yeah, like he literally broke individual point scoring records in order to get to his 87.5 average. So I mean, that includes 21 tries and I, I, don't, I can't even remember how many goals he actually kicked. So, you know, he needs to score a heap of tries. I mean, I have to say, like, he his 87.5 average probably, like, you think of someone like a Semi-Radradra, the stuff he was doing was absolutely freakish. Garrick was just falling over the line half the time because Turbo had done all the work for him. Yeah, I was thinking that myself. But to be fair, you've got to just look back to that try when he did, you know, that magical try of the year when he, he yeah. sort of did that individual brilliance himself and sort of. Yeah. But it, it did mostly come off the back of Turbo. So, yeah, it's. Yeah. Look, I don't want to take that magical try off him. Certainly, it's a, it was amazing. But to be fair, like the majority of his points scored, he wasn't doing that. He was mostly just being, you know, a good winger, yep. Uh, yep. a serviceable winger. But he's catching, falling over the line. You know, like in terms of finishes, he's not the ones doing, you know, those types of uh, front or, or mm. uh, you know, the, the really crazy Xavier Coates type finishes where they're all contorting their bodies out of the yeah. You know, out of the field of play and stuff like that. So Garrick wasn't even called upon to do that type of stuff. So, yeah, just scoring a heap of tries, being on the end of the you know, a ridiculous season from Tommy Turbo, and then just kicking a heap of goals. So we'd assume he'd drop in price, and he'd be someone we'd all work towards getting at some point when in a final team. Yeah, yeah. I'd say. But that's but that's when you've kind of grown your team value by three or four million, you know, if yeah. possible, um, not around one starter. And I think that pretty much the same argument extends uh, to Dane Gagai, who's the next guy on our list. He's 170k cheaper, but he's moving to a Newcastle team that's tipped to struggle, was part of that lethal south left edge and, and all the points that came off the back of it. And for me, Wilf, it's the fact that he exceeded his career high uh, super coach average by more than uh, 12 points over his second best season that's just making me know that he's well, well over. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting with Gaga because I think previously his best season was when he was, I believe, at the Knights. And he was playing fullback and he was just busting tackles for fun. 
uh, at the end of the day this year, I mean, his work rate was improved even at center. And, you know, as you, as we know, like they just scored so many points down that left edge. So he was kind of carried along with it. I mean, the reality is, is he's gone from, you know, a top three team and there's people tipping, they're tipping the Knights for the spoon effectively. So I just think that's going to be a, a major concern. And if, I mean, look, the fact that of all the years that he's played, um, you know, not in a Queensland jersey, uh, his his second best super coach season was only fifty six points, and that was you know with all that freedom from fullback as well. So he's a no for me. Uh, Val Holmes, very up and down. We've got him on the overs list. Tim five fifty nine k. I don't know. He's he's at left centre, so you know, so many of his his good scores uh, happened at fullback. Overs for mine. I think I might have read on, um, I think it was Wilf's Twitter, something. Was it your Twitter? Something about Val Holmes having a roaming position or something like that, the turbo role? Yeah, I think that was the the article. They were saying he was going to be playing left centre this year most likely, but given the licence to roam, kind of like turbo did in origin, what Joey Minor did from right centre for the Roosters, things like that. But I think the fact that he's at left centre means he's going to drop an average. I just can't see him keeping the same involvement. He looked really juicy at one point last year. I remember um, Savs uh, had him, Brandon Savage had him in his side, and I was a bit jealous, and a couple other people had him, and I was a bit like, I've got to find a way to get him. But then I think he sort of missed a couple of games, and then when he did come back, he wasn't that great or something like that. But, yeah, I feel like he's a little bit, Overs, he's not someone I think I could start with, but I think he could be someone that we might be shocked by. I think he might have, you know, something still to offer. I think it's a bit have to wait and see on him on that one. I can I can picture him doing well if he's roaming around, and I don't know, but but at the club, I just yeah, I, I think I like to pick players that are at a good club if they're a big price, unless they. Unless, yeah, if they're at a worse club, I think you want to look, if they're, you want to look for cheaper players. He had a few stretches where, like, I think, you know, he scored a 95 against the Bulldogs, then 97 against the Raiders, who the Raiders had struggled against fullbacks a lot. And then a couple of rounds later, he went 138 against the mm. Knights and then 100 against the Warriors. Yeah, he looked good then, yeah. Yeah, and but then, you know, as you say, he did miss a couple of games late in the season. He ended up playing uh, left centre. For the last two rounds, he scored a 34 and a 43. So that's what I was going to bring up. He's two games at left center, 34 and 43. Uh, so yeah, I'm not necessarily. I'd stay sure well off. Yeah, it's only that roaming thing makes me think, well, let's have a, you know, keep an eye on him. You know what I mean? We'll see how well he does go. But at that club, I couldn't see him going that well out of his skin. He's yeah. got that many points. Yep. Easy avoid for me. And the last guy we've got on the center wing overs. I don't know who the Bulldogs basher is on this podcast, Wilf, but you've got Josh Adokai. It's pretty obvious, right? I mean, we don't need to go into too much detail. He is not going to replicate his try scoring feats uh, for the Bulldogs as he was with the Storm. Look, I mean, you know, anything's possible, right? But I just don't see it happening from round one. So staying well away, obviously, you know, he's a really good player. I'll keep an eye on him. He is still one of the best wingers in the game. So if... Manny Burton works out and he clicks and, and Adokar's his guy and they become a Cody Walker, Alex Johnston type combo, then yeah, look, you know, I'll, I'll keep my I'll keep my options open, yeah. but I just don't see it happening, honestly. Yeah. Indeed. And Tim, I'll leave you with the last one. I only got the one fullback in the overs column and and 
who else could be overs but the guy who costs $1,256,100. We talk about what has to go right for someone to give you a return on investment. I mean, can Turbo possibly do 143.3 average again, mate? Yeah, I think he can. I'm really. I'm wow. yeah. I'm back on the fence. Like I, a couple of just prior to New Year's, I was talking with um, Wilf and uh, Joe, the other Joe, about you know not starting with Turbo and starting probably with Pappy and Teddy. But now I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I'm gonna start with Turbo, but I'm I'm looking at it a lot closer. I think that it might be a way to go. I've seen people with some teams that have still looked, you know, feasible starting teams. It's making sacrifices in a lot of positions, but I kind of need to try do some imaginary scoring with, you know, the different team combinations, I think, to work out whether I could start them. So, Well, judging from what you were saying about, you know, some of those players in the 700 kind of category that we've spoken about on this podcast as being overs and, and wanting to kind of go in a cheaper price bracket, mate, you seem to be leaning towards being able to afford someone like a turbo. I know, but that's because he's your captain. You're going to captain him and you're going to get double points. And if he is getting sort of 150s a week and you've got that as your captain, then the rest of your super coach for the rest of the week, you just need, you know, your one or two hundreds out of, you know, maybe get a heart, you know, a center that gets a hundred and a, a bloody second row or whether, you know, whatever it be from week to week. And then the rest of them are getting 60s and you're killing it. So... Yeah, are you thinking there's no way you're starting with him? Well, I think, and Wolf and I spoke about this in preseason last year. Um, I was all over Turbo uh, to start the year before he did. Yeah, he injured himself, and the reason was he was he was a quarter of a million cheaper than what Teddy was, and I felt that they'd have similar output. Now, Teddy with Kiri was mm. producing similar output to what Turbo was, and you know we've we've we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But Turbo is more than half a million dollars more expensive than Teddy. Like that's that's another that's a whole nother gun. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy when you say that. Yeah, it, it, it's insane money when you're talking about you know 500k being the start of the premium price options. The fact that someone's 500k above. James Tedesco is madness. I will just say I just think he is that much better than every other fullback, and I think he might replicate it. I said he couldn't, but I think he might do it again. There's a, there's a chance he can do 143.3 again. I'll grant you that. But for him to be kind of 40 points or 50 points ahead of um, someone like a Teddy again. Do you see him like dropping in price then? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think so because, look, no one's taking away what a transcendent season uh, Tom Tavojevic had last year. Absolutely not. But even the most generous uh, observer would note that there was a lot of junk in those scores. Now, yes, that junk moved him from 100 to 140 or 130 to 170 or, or stuff like that. But, I mean... I, I, the amount of tries he scored in the last few minutes of a game that was already a blowout, I just think that mm. you know the the recession to the mean will mean that the top gets knocked off some of those scores. I think. That, yeah, you, you're making sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is going to be what new rule changes, and there's the muted one about you know penalties being given instead of six against when you're 
you know, the the other team infringes within your own half, uh, your own 40 meter line. So I guess, you know, the, the extra tackles that you would have had, the the fatigue factor might drop a little bit if, you know, teams are getting a free 25, 30 meters off a penalty kick to get out of their own end instead of um, what we're seeing. So the blowout scores may reduce naturally by that, in which case I think across the board, all the super coach scoring will drop. And that's because you're going to see less 60 to 14 or whatever score lines that we saw last year. So that I think that's one of the, my main concerns there. And, and and the other is it's just purely based on numbers. Like it's not about Tom Trevojevic specifically. I think it's, you're really putting all your eggs in one basket as well. That's what I'm thinking about. It's, you know, if he you know doesn't have a great game or he does get injured or something like that, then you, you're probably going to have a pretty average score because you've got made a lot of sacrifices. I've heard a, people, a few people say, look, if he flops in the first two rounds, I'll just trade him out. But then you actually look at the draw like, yeah, he's playing the Panthers and the Roosters rounds one and two so that he could flop. But are you really going to trade out Tom Trevojevic against the Bulldogs in round three? Like, yeah, even, it's just not gonna and then happen, if you, you do know? trade him out, the rest of your side's so weak elsewhere, you're going to need to start trying to build that side up in making trades a lot faster, I think, because they're yeah. I don't think I'm going to start with Turbo. That's the I think that's the thing. I think if you start with Turbo, you're going to have to make so many sacrifices in other positions that you're going to want to make trades really fast to improve those positions you've made sacrifices in. Even if Turbo's doing great things, I've got PTSD from the trade situation last year. So if I do decide <laughs> if I do decide to start with Turbo, I probably won't. But if I do decide to start with Turbo, he's staying in my side, and I'm riding out any loss of form because what happens? If you start year, with Turbo, you're going to be making loads of trades. You're going to have to, yeah, just elsewhere. Yeah. So I think that's the thing you've got to think about too. And I'd like to conserve, so I think I might not. Good stuff, guys. So that brings us to the end of our overs chat. Let's take a quick break now, and we'll come back with all the unders. Cupid worked hard in February, but our friends at Manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure that your Valentine's Day is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year and get in control with their Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0. This February, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code CHAMPIONS for 20% off and free shipping. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind, especially when you can't see past the love jungle. Fellas, it's time to start preparing for Valentine's Day. And I don't just mean getting the reservations, the presents and all that type of stuff. But the last thing you want to do is undo all your hard work by not having some clean balls. The Performance Package 4.0 will leave you with more dating app notifications and Cupid has arrows. This lovely bundle comes equipped with the best tools needed when freshening up for a night out on the town. Let me tell you again about what you'll find inside the Performance Package 4.0. Highlighted by the signature Lawnmower 4.0, this electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts and it's also coming equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight. It's bright enough to shine a light to your true love this year. Next we have the Weed Whacker, the nose and ear hair trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. For extra freshness, the performance package also includes Manscaped's liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. And Manscaped even threw in two free gifts their shed travel bag, and anti-chafing boxer briefs to keep your boys cool and collected. Manscaped has you covered this Valentine's Day. Get yourself the gift that you and your date will both appreciate. Go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS. Remember, you can't buy love, but you can buy a clean pair of balls. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. One last time, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CHAMPIONS. 
Help tame that love jungle you have in your pants with Manscaped. Okay, back for the unders section of the podcast at halfback. We've got a couple of names here. One a bit more interesting to me than the others. Let's kick off with Adam Clune. Well, 293K averages a 33 or priced at a 33.5 average, but there's room to move there, isn't it, with Clune? Yeah, I mean, he obviously is moving teams, so that's a big start. And at this stage, especially with the, the Knights, I mean, there's a lot of potential moving parts given the recent injury to Jaden Braley. So we're recording this on the day that he's been confirmed to be going in for surgery for his Achilles. So yeah, shocking injury. I'm I'm, I'm Devo for, for Jaden, obviously having to come back from an ACL, uh, smashing it for a season and then now another massive injury there. But back to Clune, I mean, he played six games of 80 minutes or like 79 minutes, something like that, basically. Averaged almost 45 in those games. And then he had a number of like four or five games off the bench where he, yeah, limited minutes, 16.5 average in those. And in one game, he actually didn't make it off the bench at all. So, you know, we've seen a little bit of potential for him, not just on the field, but also some super coach potential. But obviously it depends on what other cheapies we may or may not have available to us. You know, let's say, you know, Lachlan Ilias doesn't get picked for round one or, you know, Jackson Hastings isn't there or whatever, you know, Junior Amone isn't there as well. Like these are some of the other names that you might be able to pick. But yeah, I mean, Clune could be the guy that you go with instead if he um, is selected to start in the halves from the Knights from round one. Yeah, the the issue for me is, um, you know, going to someone that we, we've talked about being a struggling uh, team and he's a non-goal-kicking half. But 293, I mean, the price is right, hey, Tim? Yeah, I think the price is right, but I don't think I'd have him still. I think that you probably will have a better cheapie available round one in Teams List Tuesday, one of those other names that you did mention, Wilfred. But yeah. um, I think at that price, he'll probably grow a little bit, but I, th- you wouldn't probably be ever playing him. He'd, you know what I mean? He'd pro- I, could, I doubt he'd be your fourth reserve. He could be to just start with, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think you might want to start with someone a bit cheaper. Yeah, uh, sub three hundred, I guess, is kind of your cheapy range. But I mean, you could get the right price for him. Like, I think he's yeah, he's okay. But I think there'll be better options. Yeah, he, he's not someone I'd want to play as an emergency seventeenth player early in the season, and which is probably what might rule him out for mine. Yeah, oh, interesting one, Clune. Someone that I am very interested in, though, um, Luke Keary, Wilf, 528K. It's only priced at a 60.3 average, but averaged way, way over that in his games before he did his injury. Yeah, so 75.3 in the three games, obviously still a pretty small sample size. But, yeah, look, the eye test didn't lie. Like He looked amazing in those three games, and then he got hurt. So, you know... It, it's, it's not rocket science. He's, there's an obvious injury concern here uh, coming back from an ACL. And he is one of those guys that does rely on his acceleration. You know, when he hits the ball at speed, like that really throws defenses into disarray and he's really good at taking advantage of that. So, you know, that does worry me a little bit. So I'll be, you know, he's one of the ones I'll definitely be watching closely as, as much as I can in the trials. And the other question is obviously how he's going to click with Sam Walker, you know, new halves pairing. Uh, a guy who was asked to step up and take charge of the team as a really young, inexperienced player. Did a really good job for, for what he had to do. But, you know, how does how does he adjust to 
you know, I mean, it's not going to be in question. Like if Kiri's back, he's going to be the guy and Sam Walker will have to play beside him and work it out. So yeah, it could be interesting to see how that all clicks. But I, I think, you know, the potential's there. If the Roosters are back to full strength or as close to it as they can be, I mean, yeah, they've had a, a few retirements and things like that, but they still have a really strong lineup if everyone's fit and firing. So yeah, Kiri's very interesting to me and he's got a handy dual position, which is really, it's it's getting rarer basically to have that uh, halfback 5'8", you know, eligibility. Yeah, uh, if I was worried about a non-goal-kicking halfback at 293, I'm definitely worried at 528 though, Tim. Um, he'd, he'd be, obviously he's underpriced by 15 points, um, will take a bit of time to come back to full strength uh, off that ACL injury though, mate. Is, is he of interest to you? He is. Um, it's funny, like I've, it's he's obviously got more expensive to pay for than um, Adam Clune at that two ninety three. We're jumping up to five twenty eight k for him, but I think if he can stay on the field, I think he'll have a big year. I think he feels like he's probably um, you know missed a lot of footy and wants to would want to get out there and put all of that missed football into what what he's got left to do. So. I can I can picture him doing really really well, especially with um, Sam Walker. I think they could complement each other really nicely. Luke here is now an old head. I I think he's he is quite a juicy option, especially because I think that the Roosters are going to be killer in twenty twenty two. I think they're going to have a big year. So I think if they're putting on big points and they're one of those teams that are just pumping teams, he could be on the end of a lot of that as well. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe there are some better options. Like in, in the in, I do love the dual flex, the dual flexibility though. I think that's a really nice thing to have. It comes in handy when making trades or bringing in someone out. You know, swapping stuff around. But Toby Sexton that you sort of got below here. I think he there's there's a there's a lot of reason I might want to start with him. I think over Kiri based on the fact that he does have the kicking. And yeah, similar nice. amount of unders. You know, Luke Keary, obviously 15 points uh, priced unders because of his three games. Toby Sexton, 434, so he's priced at around a 49 average. Did average 62 in four games. I'll, I'll throw to you, Wilf, um, because you're the, the guy that's been pushing Sexton. You think he'll do well for the coast? Let, let me be clear. I've, I'm not pushing him per se. Like, I'm picking Keary over Sexton easily, like, Kiri at roughly 90 grand more than Sexton. I'm not, that's not a question for me. I'm going to go Kiri if he looks healthy. I'm only putting Sexton in there, obviously, because he is well discounted because he only played four games. Seems to have the set role with Fogarty heading off. Uh, looks likely to be the halfback next to AJ Brimson. So you'd think he's going to be the game controller. The guy's going to do most of the kicking, probably the goal kicking as well. So a lot of boxes that you can tick there, but I just think. When you've got a proven performer like Kiri, he goes on a run every single year. Like every season, he has a three, four, five game stretch where he smashes it mm. and he'll spike in price. And I just, I, you know, either Kiri's a season long hold for me or I'm waiting for that spike and then moving him on to whoever I can afford ASAP. Kiri is a premium player for that price. I think that is a nice thing. Whereas Sexton's a little bit unknown, second season. You know, I think he, he could have – he did show a lot of promise, Sexton. I think he could be someone um, – people who are thinking of starting with him, I don't think that they're off at all on that. I think they might be onto something and something I might have a closer look at. Yeah, very different players, obviously, but he's mm. priced almost identically to what 
uh, Fogarty was last, at the start of last year, and I actually started with Fogarty as uh, my third uh, guy in the halves, <laughs> and it didn't go well as the goal kicking halfback for the Titans. So mm-hmm. yeah, look, you know Sexton did do well at the end of the year, but you know as we've seen uh, lots of times with Super Coach, when teams really have nothing to play for. Uh, or, you know, they throw caution to the wind towards the end of the year. And I, I feel that Sexton kind of benefited a little bit from that. We'll see, you know, what happens when the board's alive in round one and, and all the teams are fully fit. So, yeah, I probably tend to think for the price, bang for buck, Keely is the better option there. Uh, another guy who uh, I think is dual, isn't it? Uh, Sean Johnston, obviously, uh, at the 5'8 position, we've got him here. He's the perfect PVL ball half. Um, only played the 10 games last year uh, for the Sharks. He's back home now, but two heavily injury-affected scores in there, making him uh, unders at the price of 462. Do you think the move's going to go well for him, Tim? He's more of a Warriors-style player because they're sort of a looser style of play, I think, and that suits him a bit better. Whereas the um, the Sharks, even last year and probably even more so this year, are very sort of kind of clinical in a way, you know what I mean? And sort of get you, he'll get the ball when it's time to get the ball sort of thing. But I think SJ could have a lot more touches and I don't, I, I, I think he's unders, but I just can't, I, I was off him last year and I can't see him being great, but I think it is better that he's at the Warriors. I think he will have he will score more points this year than he did last year, provided he is on the field. But I think he'll average better this year than he did last year. Wilf, your thoughts on SJ? I think for me it's just comes down to injury. Like obviously as he gets older that's more and more of a concern and that's probably been his downfall the last few years. But even if you go back to twenty twenty, like he is literally one season removed from averaging sixty nine. So you know, nice. like if he, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, like if he's able to bang out a sixty-five average, even like it, it, it's a great price. You know, he's unders for that reason. It's just can he hold that many games together? I mean, you know, he's obviously going back to a team he's very familiar with, but there's a different coach to what he was working with before he left the Warriors, and you know, it's another season where the Warriors are based in Australia. Although at this time, at this stage, there's no, you know, hope for them to return home. Like there was, you know, at the start of 2021, they were saying by round eight, you might be playing at Mount Smart. Obviously that became a write-off as the season went on. There's none of that chat this year. So the Warriors know what they're in for, for this season. And I guess for for Sean himself, like the family thing is not as big of an issue because I think he's obviously, he's been based in Australia the last few years anyway. So there's there's certainly a lot of question marks there. It's just like to me, it's just an injury thing. Like, can he stay in one piece? And if he can, I definitely think he's going to be unders based on this price tag. I've seen the best of Jet SJ though for sure. I think yeah, by far. Absolutely. Like, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that sort of um, brings out the you know some impressive stuff in his later career. I think he's just sort of right out. That's my feel. Sorry, SJ. He's still got. He's still a great footballer, but I think for Super Coach, I don't think he's got the the speed and the flair that he once did. Yeah, absolutely agree. He's actually matured as a player. Yeah. Like the last two seasons, he's not the Sean Johnson from 2011, 2012, where you know you give him half a gap and he's through it, and he's scoring a line break try, a couple of tackle busts, and then slotting a goal over as well because he scored under the post. Like now, we're seeing him go to the line, take that, engage it. Like I think in, even in 
even the fact that he only played a number of limited games last year, I think he was still top five in the NRL for line engagements. So he's still got a lot for the actual NRL. He's still prone to have his inconsistent days, and that's always been him. But he's definitely a much smarter player. Like you look mm. at 2020 in the, for the Sharks, he's averaging two, three tries every single game, basically. And you know that's how he got to the 69. He only scored two tries all season. So he's definitely, even from 2020, he's not the same player. He's not the try-scoring freak that we saw who would you know rack up those individual highlight reels plays. He was already maturing into a playmaker putting on tries for the people around him. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, I, 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 yeah, it's just injuries, basically. I think the thing that's changed is, like, when he was younger, he sort of had a, a, that touch football style play to his game, uh, which is obviously, what he, you know, excelled as a touch footballer. But now that he is a bit, you know, older, he's not... He, I think he's playing more, a more rugby league style, if that makes sense, which doesn't sort of um, help his super coach points. As yeah, much. definitely maturing as a player. Another bloke we've got on the list who we hope has matured a lot is Jackson Hastings, 350K, <laughs> price at a 40 average. Only really the one notable season uh, in the NRL. Will you can take it away because it was your year of 2016 uh, that, he, that he did well. Yeah, so, you know, once upon a time, many, many years ago, Jackson Hastings, he, he wasn't a full-blown rookie, but he was basically, you know, he was going to be the guy after Mitchell Pierce got suspended. So he started, um, you know, he was going to have that role for a while. Um, he ended up averaging 52 that year. He was goal kicking. You know, he, he wasn't fantastic on the field, but he was good for super coach. Made a lot of tackles, could lay on a trail too, and kick goals pretty well. So the, the main issue for him ultimately, which led to him leaving, was that apparently his head was a bit too big and, and he was annoying a lot of people around him. Wow. So he got the punt. Yeah, he, he wasn't, um, yeah. yeah um, he's you know, ringing a bell. He's ringing a bell because I, it's funny because I, when you said he was 2016, I was thinking, I can't believe that he was been around that long. But it, it's because he's sort of been bobbing in and out sort of, isn't it? He got he got run out of town pretty quickly at the Roosters, yeah, because uh, he wasn't a cultural fit, right? But, yeah. I mean, I don't know what we all think the Tigers are going to do this year, but it seems that, you know, he's one man of steel over in the Super League. We've got to assume his goal kicking as well. Price at a 40 average, that's pretty tempting, isn't it? Well, just to be clear, I mean, the, the Roosters came second last in 2016. So he was scoring 52 in a team that was getting flogged pretty much every week. So, yeah, uh, you know, Tigers, right? So <laughs> business as usual. No, I think, I think Hastings could go well. I mean, if his game's still similar to what it was. I mean, I don't know too much. I've tried to do some digging for his ESL stats, but I'm not finding much. They don't keep there's no there's no NRL Supercoach stats for the Super League, basically. Um and even any other stats listings, it's been a, a real battle. So like I can see how many tries he scored and, and you know, he didn't goal kick much the last two seasons when he was playing with Wigan, because I think they must have had a better kicker. So yeah, I mean there's a few question marks there. Obviously we'll have to keep an eye on the the training the house down reports and all that type of stuff, but he's he's been talking about being first to training, last to leave, that type of stuff. If it's actually happening, mm. then it seems like he's primed to have a good season in his return to the NRL. Yeah, it sounds promising, but I still reckon it's he's a bit awkwardly priced, like three fifty. It's a bit like that Adam Queen in the halfback position at three hundred. It's okay, but I reckon for it's a mid mid range price. I reckon there'd be better cheaper options. I, and at the Tigers, it's just. 
yeah, it's yuck. I don't, I can't see it being crash hot. You wouldn't want to start him. She's not going to grow much in to, Max. I could see him going to four, four hundred. Yeah, people that really want to pot up uh, might end up with only enough cash to go a Hastings, you know, from round one maybe. But in a perfect world, you'd, you'd want to kind of, yeah, he's that awkward price, isn't he, Tim, to your point? That's awkward. I'd steer clear of that. Yeah, I think it's a weird one. I think it's a weird price. Yeah, I think it'd be. A- yeah, to put it in the context, it'd be, you know, you, you could pay the same for your starting halfback and 5'8 if you went Nathan Cleary and Jackson Hastings or Luke Keary and Cody Walker, basically. So, you know, that's kind of how it looked. Yeah, and and Keary and Walker, they're two of your 17. Cleary and Hastings, only one of your 17 mm. each week. So that's probably decisive for me. But just having a look, uh, noticing how long we've been banging on for, guys, I want to get on to centre wing. One that's very interesting to me, if I could trust him to stay on the field, Katoni Staggs, 433k, only played the four games last year, and I've somehow I somehow had him in my side uh, at least once last year. Um, but discounted about ten points from his average of 62. He's uh, running out for your Broncos, Wilf. What's your What's your read on Staggs this year? Yeah, he's in my team. Uh, assuming health is there, like for him, it's just about staying healthy, and and obviously he came off the ACL and struggled basically. So they do say in your 18 month to 24 month period onwards is when you actually hit your recovery peak. I think we saw that with RTS when he came back from his ACL. It was the season afterwards that he really hit his straps. So if Staggs is going to hit his straps this season, then I want to be there from round one. So yeah, he's um, basically my my second pick to centre wing behind you and Edkin at the moment. Very nice. Tim, you're Stags, man. I'm a Stags, man, for sure. I was pretty close to picking him up um, last year, but didn't when he got injured. And I was like sort of looking around at him, looking at best. There's a few different people I didn't get that sort of, I'm glad I didn't, but. So that's the difference between you and I last year. I had Stags and best. Yeah. And you, and you won the damn thing. Yeah. So you okay. got to right. not feeling ones. I think you got to go with your gut on those ones. But the, I'll tell you what my <laughs> gut's telling you. It's a Stags year twenty. 22 is the year of the stag. I think he's going to have a blinder. I think he's going to be on the field a lot more. I think he might only miss maybe at most a quarter of the season as opposed to maybe playing a quarter. <laughs> um, but I think he's, yeah, and I think it, the, I've got a good feeling about your um, Broncos this year, mate. I've got a very good feeling about him. Not like top four or I think maybe they're, they're top eight hope though. I definitely would say the Broncos are a shoe in for top 14. Yeah, top 14 for sure. They're definitely not yeah, going to be a, yeah. a bottom yeah. four side. Um, but I think they're going to play some exciting footy. I'm really looking forward to watching them. They're one, I've always liked the Broncos. They're a bit of a – had a soft spot for them ever since I was a kid. Back in the, you know, Steve Renoff and uh, – you were in his Madison head gears at him. That was it. Was yeah, yeah, the Black Pearl. Yeah, yeah loved seeing right. him in full uh, in full stride. Well, yes. Well, enough sucking up to the Broncos. Let's move on uh, <laughs> to yet another ex Bulldog going to the Storm. I've got him as uh, in my side at the moment. Nick Meany. I call him this year's Remus Smith for more than my, more than just the fact he's gone from the Bulldogs to the Storm, but. 424K, Remus Smith's average jumped 14 points uh, from the, the move from Belmore down to Melbourne. And uh, many, you know, 
I still think he's a young gun, even though his career kind of stalled uh, at the Bulldogs. He can go large. He got 136 against the Tigers uh, towards the end of the year, and I, I think he's the guy that is going to be getting on to the end of balls that Addo Carr and, and George Jennings were last year. So I think he's pretty good value for the price. Wilf, your thoughts? I mean, this is purely a gut call, isn't it? Like, there's no, it's not like a statistical analysis that is determining he's underpriced or anything like that. It's just, you know, Bulldogs, worst attack to the best attack in the competition. And if he's on one of those wings, yeah, I mean, he's going to score a bunch of tries. So you guys are thinking he's going to get a starting role, do you? I thought he was always going to be like a, like a 14 sort of Nico Hinesy sort of until he got a role. No, no, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure um, I'm pretty sure it'll be Coates on one wing and Meany on the other wing. Wow. But, um, yeah, that, that's dependent. If he, if he doesn't get the spot, obviously he's not in the team. But um, I think – do you think he's under? So I think he's – I think he could become something special, but I don't think on the wing. I think he'd need to go to fullback when – if Pappy got injured, and I think he could go well then. I reckon he's overs at 400, but I guess if, if you think he's going to be scoring a lot of tries – I don't know. I, like if you if you're not having, I wouldn't have Josh Adokar at that price at Melbourne. I wouldn't want him. So I don't know why. You, you think Meany's going to do more individual better things than Josh Adokar? Yeah, and look, I think Adokar. Um, you know, you say that you might. Uh, you know, you don't want him at that price if he was at Melbourne. Well, I mean, Adokar averaged sixty-one point two in Melbourne and is priced at about 115k more than what Meany is now. So, I mean, if, if Adokar's the type that you're going to compare him to, I think Meany's got a bit more of a work ethic where Adokar was more of a finisher. Mm. I think that there could definitely be value there. And I think Meany's more talented than Remus Smith. And we saw what Remus Smith did with the opportunity in Melbourne last year. Oh, I reckon it's a big wait and see on that. I'm really – I'd like I, I did – um, talk about him a bit pre-season and thought he'd be one to watch and um, I'm not sold on it I'm really I'm really interested though I'm super interested to see how he goes and what sort of role he plays and but I think it's a wait and see for me starting seems a bit ballsy at the price yeah know. so Wilf you were infamous for talking bear out of starting with gun Jared Wallace uh, at the start of last year mate are you going to talk me out of starting with Nick Meaning? I'm not going to talk talk anybody out of starting with anybody. I mean, all I said to Bear was that, you know, he's playing probably 40 minutes or less. And he did play 40 minutes or less. He just scored a try every second week, which is just absolute, absolute luck. Well, it's not what Bear says. <laughs> all right, guys. We can I don't know. He's not here, is he? He can't, he can't defend himself. So. That's very, very true. He'll pop up at some point, no doubt. Um, fullback, we didn't have much in the way of overs, guys, but I think there's a stack of value here um, in the unders section. Will uh, your boy Ryan Pappenhausen chief among them? Yeah, absolutely. And I've spoken about it in the past, but... Obviously, you know, his concussion, the games he missed, the games came back off the bench. That's all well documented. And the reality is, is, you know, when he played 80 minutes or thereabouts, I mean, in one round, he only played 65 minutes because he went off for a HIA that he had to pass to come back on. And he scored 80 that round. But in his other games, I mean, 111.3 average in his eight games playing 80 minutes. And again, I extrapolated this because I did some digging. He went on to score in the final series. Again, you know, 
123 against the Seagulls and a 74 against the Panthers when it was like 10-8 or something like that. So, yeah, the guy just gets it done with goal kicking there. And, I mean, I just think he's going to get better again this season. So, yeah, look, here was my first pick mm. last year. He's my first pick again this year. 694, Tim, you know, that scoring output. I mean, you talk about value. It's hard to beat that, isn't it? Yeah, I could. I can see him possibly going up to about a million this year. So starting at that, like having him at that price, I think you just got to start with him. Like if you weren't, I was talking about possibly starting with Turbo before, you couldn't probably go both of them. I think some people are. I think they've found a way to do it. But um, I think that's kind of weird. I think, yeah. But you've got to you've got to have him. He's. I think he's going to kill it this year because he missed so much footy last year. I think he really wants to um, make it, you know this his year. And because he's got the kicking as well, I think he's even more unders. I think I reckon he'll be the second highest averaging fullback for the year. Well, he, he certainly was before he came back from injury. I think he's and, above and Teddy. Played all those bench minutes. I think he's above Teddy just based on the fact that he's got that kicking. Melbourne are always gun, and he's you know just in like his his role when he does play, it's very super coach friendly. He does lots of line breaks, and he's in the back of a lot of tries as well. So. Yeah, I think he's 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 super 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 lovely price. Look, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say he's going to outscore Turbo across the season if he plays the same number of games. Oh, I don't know. He that's exactly. I like that though. I like that's a bold. That's out on a limb. That is out on a limb. Don't 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 go same amount of games because we'll talk about the average, his points per game average rather than total. Yeah, look, the the problem is I just I do see some regression to the mean. I don't know if if Tim, if you want to have a friendly wager with Wilf on that one, I'm not going to step into the ring or between Paps and Turbo. This guy from the sidelines just egging us on. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely tell you. I'll definitely ha- I'll definitely take Turbo will average more or whatever whichever format you want to put it in. He's a gun, man. Like, he's off his nut. He's um, and he showed that last year. Like, he's gonna do it again. Like, he just he just throws people around. Give me the ball, like at the and he just oh, he's ridiculous, man. The way he's such an individualist, it's so it's freaky, man. But yeah, I don't think we can start with him. But Pappy's very, very good in a very, very good side, and for that price, he's gonna yeah be someone I think we need to start with. But but I'll take whatever bet you want to. You can name whatever it is. All right, we'll, we'll work out the specifics later. But that's whatever the price is. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be monetary. I don't have a great deal of money, but um, <laughs> I know. it could be like shaving, shaving a thing, losing something. I don't know. Posing for the album cover on Nevermind Wolf, uh, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, Teddy's Teddy's the next guy. Seven sixty k. So he's he's sixty five k over. Uh, perhaps, but you know, I've got him in unders. He averaged a lazy 116 in, uh, with Kiri in the side last year, and you know, he was the last fit bloke standing for a bunch of games there uh, in Bondi, and it's not surprising this super coach output suffered. So, you know, his price at an 87 average, I do think that's significantly under with Kiri back in the side and really just with a fully fit Rooster side. Tim, you're down on Teddy though, aren't you? No, no, not necessarily down on him at all. I think that Pappy's just going to have a much better season than him. But then again, I I think that Teddy, like the, what you say, in you know, a full-strength side with Kiri there, 
Wow, and just people saying that he's getting he's getting old or he's he's getting on, but I I don't think so. I think that he's still got another two really massive massive years in him. So, I yeah, I I think I think he's great, but I think he the thing is with the Roosters, I think they kind of fit into part of it. They 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 all sort of seem to find a way to all score in that side, like super coach points, and I think they spread out too much. So I don't think Teddy sort of hogs them all, whereas you know, sort of like a a turbo sort of wood. Um, or yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I think the points get shared a bit. I don't know whether it's across. It's not an always go to Teddy sort of thing, but he does do a lot of great things throughout the game. Well, they certainly don't. They don't have the uh, attacking ceiling that the Storm and the Sea Eagles do. So, you know that what Teddy, where I find Teddy gets his points is I was watching him a lot. Um, it's just these little little jinky plays where he does like a little Fafita palm off sort of thing. You know what I mean? He loses a lot of, gets a lot of those sort of what, what's that tackle, tackle bust. bust? He gets yeah. lots of those that you just. Just he's with his little crabbing style. And I still think he's got a lot of those in him too. So, yeah, I'm all for him. Don't, not necessarily off him. I think I'll probably start with him and Pappy the way I'm going, leaning at this point. I haven't made a team yet, but that's the way I think I'm going. <laughs> Interesting. Well, splitting the difference between Teddy and Pappenhausen price-wise, 721K, this guy is going to be a bit of a super pod to start the year given the profile of the guys we've named ahead of him. Um, Latrell Mitchell-Wilf, he's got the goal kicking over Reynolds. Um, only played 17 games last year, but, yeah, 82.2 average and really just showed that he, he could be the best player in the game on his day. And I think, the obviously, he's a walking suspension risk given the amount of loading points he must have and all of that type of stuff. And I guess the question is, is how good are the Rabbitohs going to be because Adam Reynolds averaged about 17, 18 points per game in goal kicking last year. So you tack that onto Latrell's score if they can hit that same level of attack and he's pushing 100. So he could very well be up there. Question is, I guess, you know, is he going to get that many shots at goal? Um, because the Rabbitohs obviously were really, really good last year attack-wise. He will be a massive pod to start the year because he's missing the first two rounds at this stage. Unless there is some chat that he might get the All-Stars exhibition game included in suspension, in which case he'll be back round two. But at this stage, I understand he's meant to be back round three, which is his the, the Rabbitohs versus the Roosters. So unless that changes, and obviously we'll have to keep a track of that. But yeah, I, I don't think anyone can pick him round one if he's missing the first two games, obviously. Well, round three is when Tim can trade him in for Turbo after Turbo struggles <laughs> those first two games. No, look, I might start with Turbo, but I don't think I'm going to start with Turbo. And I don't think I'll be going near Latrell either. I don't think I'll have him in my side at any stage. I'll just say that now. Um, I think that there'll be, like, fullback's a really premium spot. And I think that he's not going to be one of the, he's not going to be top three or I don't even, I reckon he'll be struggling top four. I can be about the ranking about fifth of the year. There's guys that um, you know, like your Pappenhausens and and your Turbos, that it's absolute hell and and frustration when you're a non-owner watching them go around. I reckon Luttrell is just as frustrating for owners as he is for non-owners because as uh, you know, he's as likely to score 140 as he is to get sin binned and and have a shocker. So yeah, one of the more frustrating players to own, but um, always seems to be pretty highly owned in Supercoach. But yeah, not being in the round one uh, teams will impact his ownership for sure. So guys, any last words um, on our overs unders podcast? Any kind of 
positions changed for you, uh, someone that you might have been a bit more uh, positively disposed to after our chat, Tim? Oh, after our chat, like, I think I've just jumped back, you know, just ended up where I was back at. Oh, look, I was thinking turbo and now I'm off turbo. So I'll say that I was a little bit more towards turbo pre this uh, recording, but now towards the back end of it, I'm a little bit off him only because I think it is all eggs in one basket and too many, too many sacrifices being made across the field elsewhere in the side that will need to be grown too quickly and you want to be trading them in and out. So I think, yeah, I think their stronger team across the board would have not turbo in it. Yeah, that's very fair call. So I couldn't couldn't sway you on Nick Meany. Um, maybe I got Wilf over the line, mate. Uh, no, Nick Meany won't be no, in my team. Not for me either. <laughs> but I do like it. I do like it. I like that there's different like different people can. I, I'm a little bit scared that, that you've got it too. You know, when people see something that they like, and I'm a bit like, oh, because that might work out really well for you. But that's good uh, if that does. I just don't think I can afford him because I've got Ewan Aitken in as my first centre wing, Katoni Sachs my second. and I'd prefer Katoni, you know. Are you having Katoni as well, Joe? Uh, not at this stage. No, I'd prefer Katoni at that it, price over. Surely. Nine grand more for Katoni Sachs. Come on. Find that that's a straight that's swap. The best availability, uh, best ability is availability. Uh, and I can't trust Stags to to stay on the field, both from a suspension and an injury uh, perspective. Just look at his record. And look, I, I joked before about having PTSD from the trade issues of last year. I'm just staying away from injury-prone players. I'm, I'm just what, like that's just an unacceptable risk. You've got to take risks at the start of the year, though. I think you can't be taking risks too much towards the back end of the year with those injury-prone players and stuff when we're starting to run out of trades and stuff. But if you can start well... You don't think starting with Nick Meany is a risk? <laughs> <laughs> There's smarter risks than others, right? <laughs> I think that you think it's more... You think it's not that risky. I think that you think it's more calculated and a smart thing because, you know, he's in a good team and he's going to be on the back of tries and you see potential in his individual ability as well. So, but, you know, I I don't know. I just think it's a bit of a wonky price. And that's very logical, guys. Like, um, I am kind of semi-serious about Nick Manny. You should be. You should be. I think it's an option. uh, you know, flout the the traditional super coach wisdom, but you know, towards the end of last year, after you know you'd won it all, mate. When we were doing those retrospective podcasts, you know, you look back at the the teams that streaked out to the front, and they were the ones that that you know flipped conventional super coach wisdom, and they actually stocked up in their centre wings. It was the guys that started with Brett Morris, started with Brian To'o, you know, those kind of – and started with Katoni Staggs, actually, um, that that streaked out to the front because it was the expensive centre wings, not the traditional, you know, cheapies, you know, where you go cheap in centre wings that did really, really well. So I, I'm probably going to look for pods to overinvest in um, from the centre wing thinking, you know, that's the logic there. That's funny because th- I'm going to cheap out big time, I reckon, in centre wing. I did it last year too. I think I'm just going to be cheaping out big time. Yeah, there. and that's the beauty of the game, right? Tony will be probably my most over my my highest price starter I can th- I could imagine. I don't think I'll start with Toto. 
Yeah, interesting. I don't think I can fit him, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I haven't made one yet. I'm just sort of got things in my mind of where I think I'm going. If I if I do make a side right now, it'll um, that means that the homework starts immediately, and I don't want to. You're holding off as long as you can. Yeah, I know. I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So I, I'm, I've got my ear to the ground, but you know I don't want to get to the drawing board just yet. Indeed, Wilf. Any last words from you? Uh, probably two two things. One thing I forgot to add to the run sheet earlier was uh, Tedesco's final scores, and he so he scored 140 in a 25 to 24 victory against the Titans in first week of the finals, and then he scored 72 when they went down the week after. So I think uh, you know there's certainly the the ceiling is still there for Teddy, and that's without Kiri in the team, and that's with Sam Walker obviously building into the season. So. I just think there's a lot of potential there. So they should be winning every game. I had I, I can't see them losing many games, man. Unless if they come up against a full strength Penrith or Mel- Melbourne early, and I don't, I'm not too sure of the draw, but I could still see them beating both of those sides as well early in a season. Well, I think round two, uh, it's going to be the Roosters against the Seagulls, and that's going to be a cracker because I think Teddy and Turbo both turn up every time they play each other. I'd take I'd take Roosters. I I feel like that's a confident thing. I'd tell everyone put their money on the Roosters for that game. I just yeah, it's it's going to be a cracker regardless. Um, the other thing I, I guess I took away from this is that I think you know when we look at it, breaking it down just into overs and unders, and you know that's one way of looking at it. And I think there's reasons that you would still pick some of these guys and start with them in your team, even if they're not. And I think Tim, you touched on one of them. The captaincy is a big part of it. I think one that we kind of talked about probably more the last episode is saving trades, you know, locking someone in for the season, even if you think you might be paying, you know, maybe 10, 15 points over because that price tag you'll pay is in order to lock them in and not have to spend trades on them later. So, mm. you know, the strategic reasons that even if someone's overpriced or underpriced, well, unders is pretty obvious. You're going to get them if you think they're unders and they're going to, you know, not have to burn trades, but even paying for overpriced players in order to save a trade, in order to ride out, you know, maybe the first three, four bad draw games and then they've got an easy run after that. Like, they're all reasons that you could still ride it out if you don't have to, you know, spend time getting them in later. You can focus on building up other areas of your team when you just, you're just crossing your fingers hoping that, yeah, these rough games, they still luck into some junk garbage time. Yeah, I think prop is one of those positions where I'll probably pay whatever the price is that they are for the best two players that I want and I just won't want to trade them out at all. You know what I mean? With pride on them, you don't, there's no excitement in prop. You know, you just want to just sort of get the best two you can get and except, in saying that, I don't think probably he's, you can start with him. Isaiah probably he's too overpriced. Yeah, well, we, we definitely talked through that on the last episode, uh, which you didn't join us for, Tim, so I'll forgive you for skipping My that mistake. one. <laughs> Sorry about that, boys. No, all good, all good. Look, I, I think, you know, we, we've spent a long time talking it through and I it's it's been fascinating chat, obviously. I, I always love it when you're on, Tim, because, I mean, you showed exactly why some of your thought processes were spot on last year and it's uh, it's good to get the different perspectives. So really appreciate every time you jump on, mate. I appreciate the opportunity every time. So thanks very much, boys. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We're in mid-season form, clocking well over the hour mark. But uh, stay tuned next time for some more pre-season action. See you later, guys. Cheers.